Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad fo- Oh. I forgot I was on the internet for a minute. You just got called out. That's what she said. You will get made in the meat pies. Yes, come on! Come on. It's pretty absurd. Bad Philosophy. Episode 36. Recorded on June 21st, 2009. Eight buffaloes in a row. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad philosophy. Upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time. And uh, this time we've got uh, some very familiar guests on the show. Um, you know him, you love him, you'll probably be sick of him after this episode if you aren't already. Kevin Saunders. <laughs> you should be by now. Yes. Skyping in once again from Grapevine, Texas, right? Yeah, still here. Welcome, after Kevin. All these years. And uh, second, we've got uh, Numero Uno fanboy, Jed Cummins. Am I really still a fanboy? Like, I think as so. many times as I, I've been on this show. You know, show, you will never, I'll that never title lose will that always status. be with you. Okay, yes. well, you know. Although, there is, there is um, a certain individual who has recently been jockeying for the, uh, for the pos- possible position of Numero Uno fanboy. Oh, seriously? You're going to do this? I, I am. Um, okay. We got, shameless plug. <laughs> well, we got, I, I'm sorry, it, it was just one of, those, one of those moments of fan interaction that I just really blew my mind. Um, this guy named Taz. Uh, in the UK, recently posted a, a couple of comments on, I think, episode 34 and then 35. Um, gave us some great feedback on the show, uh, some great responses to uh, arguments we made, and uh, just some you know really thoughtful stuff. And uh, it was great to hear from, from a fan, from someone, of, especially from another nation. <laughs> and uh, we just want to thank him profusely for uh, listening to the show and for providing such excellent feedback. So, uh, Jed, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to step it up, man, because it was some pre- pretty uh, philosophical shiznit there. Well, you know, I I feel like I can let him have it. Yeah, as it gives a uh, whole new meaning to the term fan service. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you know, I I think it's perfectly acceptable <laughs> to recognize uh, the wonderful fans that we do have on the show and thank them for what they do. Um, really, sure, every sure. episode is fan service. If you think about it, like it's well, there's, there's fan service, and then there's fan service. <laughs> there's one kind that you get, you know, from major news networks, and the other kind that you get in the back of a massage parlor. I, I didn't know that it was possible to actually do that over the internet. Oh, it is. Um, it, it, we were talking about webcams earlier. Oh, Come that's on. true. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this entire episode is is not going to be uh, completely about fan service, uh, as much as I apparently think it should, <laughs> uh, unknowingly, of course. Um, we do have it's a bit of a topic to go into, and it's uh, it's something that that uh, we've we've talked about kind of informally before, but uh, never really touched in any great detail. Uh, philosophy of comedy, um, for instance, like. I'll just open it up with a really generic question. What do y'all think? Uh, what do y'all think humor is, in essence? I'll start with Jet because I know Kevin's response is going to be a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow. That's an. I. I. I'm really liking these new episodes on a tangent because yeah. I feel wholly unprepared academically <laughs> coming into them. So I'm just like, um. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, humor. Oh, what do you think it is? Humor. Um, I don't even know that I could really begin to formulate an argument. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to 
hear what y'all have to say, to be honest, and then, um, and then go from there. <laughs> well, probably uh, Kevin will be the last word on this, Yes, as, as always. But I, I would say humor in its most general is the, that which elicits the, um, the psychological reaction that we identify as humor. I know it's kind of a recursive definition, yeah. but um, obviously there's, there's some things in the world, um, be it yeah, images, words, that elicit some sort of a, um, a reaction in us, a, one that we find so quote-unquote funny, um, ironic, usually you know, contradictory or, or self-contradictory or something. Uh, that that just sets us off and um, kind of makes our brain go WTF and <laughs> makes us laugh. Unless it's a you know a physical response. But I'm sure, Kevin has something even better than that. So we'll kick it over to him. Well, my my perspective on on maybe not humor, but but the term I prefer is comedy. As you mm-hmm. kind of entered the episode with the philosophy of comedy, I like. I like the idea, and it was proposed by somebody originally. Um, I've heard it a few times. Most person I heard it from the most definitively was uh, actually Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. Um, on one of his rare occurrences when he was speaking out of character, uh, he was talking about the nature of humor and the nature of comedy. And he goes, "the the key to comedy is the status shift. It's also called the uh, the expectation change. There's there's lots of I'm sure fancy names for it." But it's the idea where you, you are expecting one thing and you get something else. The, the classic example of this uh, that I – actually, this is the example that I was given when I was first researching humor. Believe it or not, once many moons ago, I wanted to be a stand-up com- comedian. Um, and so I Googled humor to see what would happen or how to write a joke or something like that. Anyway, yeah, classic example is uh, my wife just uh, ran off with my best friend. Boy, I'm going to miss him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a joke because you're expecting one thing, you know, the sadness of the, the wife leaving, but it actually turns out being the sadness of the of from a different source on that was not expected. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, I, I'll you know, stop you before you go too far here. But okay. This is kind of getting into the, the categories or like the how of humor. But, I mean, it's very, I'm thinking like the very most abstractly that you can get, you know, what is comedy? What is humor? I would argue it's the status shift. That that alone, I mean, because I think one one of the next thing you were going to go to was like humor through recognition. Um, That's something that 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 happens, and I don't understand it because I I don't find humor by recognition humorous. But many people do. Many people laugh at it. I don't know that that means they find it humorous. Mm-hmm. Well, according to Stephen's definition, that would then I mean because really the heart of your you had your first definition was very recursive. It's yeah. like something that's humorous well, or something that elicits But that. specifically, yes. But like your second definition was something that makes you laugh, essentially. Well, or that's makes part that, of the that physiological response, yeah. really. It was, you know, laughter and smiling and... Um, Bending over, yeah, doubling you know, over, and, and yeah, falling to the floor. Things like that. So, yeah. but but I mean, are those just byproducts of a? You know, I mean, is if you were to do a, you know, even like a cat scan of somebody who was, you know, being told jokes, would that would the, that elicit different reactions in different parts of the brain? Like, I think we would find a difference between the the different types of humor that you're that you were talking about, Kevin. Just yes. to, to kind of yeah. define in more detail, like the difference between the um, the status shift. And um, 
and humor through recognition would be like humor through recognition is what Dane Cook uses often. <laughs> you know, Actually, remember, the thing is, can, can we define humor by recognition? Yeah, real please quick? do. That, that's uh, like well, I was going to use an example, but it's, it's well, just sort of hey, you remember this? Wasn't that? Yeah, awesome? it is. It's yeah. very much like this thing is funny. Um, observational humor, a lot of times, not always, can be in a situation of. You know, I see something in the world. Jerry Seinfeld is an example. Um, you know, why is 2% milk called 2% milk? Mm-hmm. All of it's milk. I don't know if that's actually a Jerry, uh, a it Jerry sounds, Seinfeld joke, but it yeah. sounds like a Jerry Seinfeld joke. It, it does very much, yeah. Um, and, that's, and that's observation. That's humor through recognition because supposedly these are the thoughts that everybody has. You know, we all have these thoughts, but they take them to an extreme point. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were saying, Dane Cook does that to a very large extent – Almost um, exclusively. <laughs> almost exclusively. And I don't find Dan Cook funny. How, however, I thought about it a lot, um, particularly with his newest thing that Dan Cook did, which was... Uh, isolated, isolated incident. Yeah. Yeah. Where he um, went to really small venues, you know, crowds of 30 people as opposed to 3,000 or whatever, 30,000 that he'd, he had been doing before that. Now, I never got to see that. What, what, were any of those, like, good? <laughs> It was still his humor. Hmm. Um, I, I watched it expecting something because there were a couple people I saw that said it was a completely different Dane Cook, very different. It was still the humor through recognition. It had what it had less of was his his manic body movements, which yeah. I think are actually a big part of Dane Cook's humor. Oh, yeah. In that the status shift that that comes from the thing that makes people laugh in Dan Cook is that he does things in a funny way. He does them in a way yeah. that you would not expect to. So it's less the material, less the jokes that he says, and more so what he does. Mm-hmm. Clowns are funny, arguably. Um, at one point in time, clowns were definitely funny. People saw clowns because they thought they were funny. That was the whole point of a clown. And that's now become traditional. We no longer... We always expect the clown to do certain things and that's not funny anymore so now clowns are scary now clowns are sad now clowns are things because that cognitive difference isn't there anymore right it's not, Which is why, it's not uh, unexpected or it's, it's not any sort of a status shift you're expecting a person but you get a clown mm-hmm. you know that, that sort of a thing yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> the, the joke about why did the chicken cross the road the original point of, of that joke was you know the answer is to get to the other side Theoretically, you're expecting a certain humor trope, a certain thing. You know, you're expecting something to do with the fact that it's a chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, some sort <clears> of <throat> road, perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get a subversion of that, but that's lost its humor because that's often the first joke everybody hears. Mm-hmm. And so it's not funny because you're not, you don't know what to expect. If it's your first joke, you don't have it. Why did Jim Cross Road get to the side? That's that's what you would expect. Because you don't have that buildup of humor. It's sort of like so, um, knock knock, who's there? Me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, that's that's a normal conversation that would be happening. Yeah, it's a non-joke, but because it's put in that context where you know so, it's usually so. What type of it. humor is does that make that it also humor by recognition because you're recognizing the Ooh. humor in it? Like, is that sort of it's a, irony? I mean, like, I, is that an ironic form of humor by recognition or potentially? See, I think irony almost could constitute its own um, its own category all by itself. Because you know, ir- irony is sort of um, is sort of meta. It requires it requires thought about thought or thought of, 
about a certain situation in in context. Um, and, and in those cases of like the chicken cross the road joke, it's using humor to make fun of humor. Yeah, it's it's a meta humor almost. Yeah. Um, okay, just a, just a funny side note because I was going to have to mention XKCD eventually. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, googling humor on Wikipedia, XKCD actually has an image that is like, I hate XKCD people. Uh-huh. But it's like you know this this panel is an illustration of uh, a comic. It, it, the caption is actually a comic that derives its humor by a character behaving in an unusual way. Ah. Um, that it look it up, viewers at home, listeners at home, Wikipedia.org/wiki/humor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I you search for humor on Wiki. That's less time in sending it to you. But um, XKCD. Originally, um, is, is I think is an example of the transition that you can have between humor through recognition and humor through recogn- recognition and humor through the status shift. Um, there, are, I'm sure there are other kinds of humor as well. Irony being kind of one that's a little bit different. See, and, and I think um, the physical humor that we brought up with Dane Cook is a is a completely different category in itself. I mean, it's sort of a status shift. Um, in a very general way, you know, you're expecting a person to to act a certain way. To act to, normal. Yeah, act quote normal. Unquote. So, you know, you see them acting silly um, by normal standards, and it's funny because it's different. It's it's kind of, mm-hmm. it contradicts what we're, what we're expecting. But I think, like, visual humor, um, slapstick, yeah. is is almost a, a category in and of itself. Um, it is, I remember I think, that, I think it comes from the status shift. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it, may, it might just be a, a particular case of the status shift, but I mean, I remember, for instance, uh, as a kid, uh, slapstick humor was a lot funnier to me than it is now. <laughs> um, one of the, I remember one of the, the jokes that, um, I guess, well, more ir- ironies that's presented in Idiocracy um, was that the most popular show in the future is a, a guy <laughs> getting repeatedly kicked in the balls. Or yeah, the show's called Out My the, Balls. Yeah, Out My <laughs> Balls. And it's, it's sort of that idea that, that in this uh, dystopian future, I don't even know if you can call it dystopian, but... Um, <laughs> Stupidopian. This, 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 this stupid future. Fruitopian. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, everyone sort of, they never grow out of that childish humor phase. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, that's a funny show. <laughs> it's a funny concept for a show, at least. Oh, that's why it's in the movie. So I guess you no. haven't grown out of that type of humor either, Kevin. No, no, I'm no just I haven't. <laughs> but well, and initially, idiot is a great example of humor through recognition, but also through the subversion yeah. of recognition. Because humor, humor through recognition is almost the opposite of the status shift. It is exactly it's stuff that you know, it's stuff that you're familiar with. And that's what you're being given, right? Which is almost the exact opposite. Which is why I'm very anti-humor superstition, humor through recognition, because I am very in favor of the status shift. Well, do you find? So. I, I want to know, like, why do you find something like unethical about using humor through recognition? Because it, well, it's it's about the presentation, and the the humor through recognition is people people will say Dane Cooks is funny, for example, and that is that is a very broad statement and some people agree with it a lot of people agree with it he's famous for a reason he's got millions of dollars i'm sure yeah. um what what they're meaning is not the same thing as what i'm hearing when when i say anthony jeselnik is funny 
it's because he tells funny jokes. The things that he says amuse me and are funny because of the classic status shift. Yeah. Um, Dane Cook is funny because he wiggles around on stage. Dane Cook acts funny. Yeah. Those are two very different things. I prefer comedy that is in the form of jokes. That... um, a, the joke being a very simple, basic status change. change. The, the chicken crossing the road is not a good example of that. The uh, guy with his wife leaving him. Well, and Jen, Those are jokes. I, I want to kind of go a different direction with this, but do you, do you think um, one thing I'm picking up from all of this is that humor seems to be very subjective. Um, like when someone says Dane Cook is funny, usually what they mean is I find Dane Cook funny. Um, or it could be that they that they think they're expressing some sort of a universal quality that Dane Cook possesses, but they might be expressing nothing more than I find a Dane Cook funny, and a lot of people find a Dane Cook funny. But for instance, Jed, like, do you think do you think humor or you know funniness uh, is a is an absolute or well, universal or no, is it of course very not. much subjective? Uh, of course not, because I think arts. I mean, it, we've not really entirely fleshed it out, but our agreed-upon definition at this point is something unusual. So that way, you know, I think that it has to be unusual to you Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, you know, a little bit foreign, a little bit different. So that way, you know, if that was something that every, you know, if everyone agreed upon, this is funny, then, you know, everybody would be trying to do that and it would then lose its inherent humor or funniness, you know, Mm. like... Because I think that, I mean, even looking at the link that uh, Kevin was mentioning earlier, it says uh, in one section that uh, an object or a person can become funny in three different ways, uh, such as behaving in an unusual way, by being in an an unusual place, or by being the wrong size. Um, And Mm. I think that, you know, that's almost, all three of those really have the root of you know, being not normal, as yeah. we discussed earlier. And I think that I would say that most people, you know, would want to be funny. And if they, if there were some universally agreed upon definition of, oh, well, this is funny, I'm going to be funny, then everyone would then just shift and make a new normal that was... Right. It, it, it's, it seems like it's constantly evolving. Yeah. Once something becomes funny, it, it then becomes normal. And this is the same way. Like, we get used to humorous things. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, as the same joke is told over and over again, it loses its funniness because you, your brain already kind of knows what to expect. So it doesn't, it doesn't elicit that same, that same curveball, that same, you know, you know, does not compute sort of thing in the brain. <laughs> um, there, are things, there are definitely things like that, um, that you, where you get used to, the, to the, the same sort of ideas. And that's why, you know, an example that I... That, I like is that Monty Python um, was extremely strange in its day, and that's mm-hmm. where its humor came from. Uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus, I'm speaking of specifically. I mean, the, the whole group of Monty Python, all the stuff I did over the years is really funny. But then you have, for example, Monty Python's Parrot Sketch, something that has been memorized by nerds across the world. Um, Thus, remind us about this. It, apparently, <laughs> I'm not enough of a nerd to have memorized it. <laughs> Really? Okay. Yeah. The, the parrot sketch. Guy walks into a parrot shop with a dead parrot in a birdcage and says, I'd like to return this parrot. Mm-hmm. It's dead. Um, the shopkeeper insists that it is not dead or insi- you know, tries to do anything he can to keep 
from returning this obviously dead parrot that he sold to a man. He sold a man a dead parrot, and he doesn't want to return it because that's poor business. I, I can't believe I just produced the parrot sketch to that. I've performed the parrot sketch on stage. Please don't sue me, Monty Python, um, for talent shows because it's funny. It's funny because it's strange that this man is insisting that this parrot, which is right in front of him, is obviously dead, is not dead. Mm-hmm. He's pining for the fjords. He's sleeping. He's, you know, he's tired. You know, all these other things that, that are lies. And that's funny, but people have memorized it all over the world. Monty Python even addressed this in um, one of their live shows later on um, in their careers. They did a live show. Uh, what's his name? John Cleese walks on stage in a trench coat with the birdcage in his hand, and the crowd goes wild. They're just, you know, they they immediately know it's the dead parrot sketch, and everybody loves it. Very much humor by recognition sketch. there. Very much at this yeah. point. Um, and he walks up to the counter where um, Michael Palin is. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think if he's the other guy across who does it. The other guy um, is is there. And they and they start the bit, and he goes, "I'd like to return this parrot that I bought not half an hour ago." And he's like, "Oh well, what, what's wrong with it? It's dead." And so he, the guy, the, the the clerk bends down, kind of looks in the cage, and he goes, "Hmm, you're right. I'll return it for you." Takes the cage and walks off stage. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and, and very much a, a status shift. Yeah, that's yeah. a status shift. Yeah. yeah. Um, and John Cleese looks and looks at the audience and says something funny, I'm sure. But but isn't that? Well, is, go ahead, Judd. Oh, I was just going to say, isn't that almost a you know another example of humor by recognition? Because that wouldn't have been funny if we if you hadn't explained oh, to our listeners the joke, before, yeah. the joke beforehand. No, I think I think it's it's. Not as much proof of humor by recognition, but more so of what you were trying to say earlier about yeah. the fact that humor is not universal. Yeah. Because it's very much about what the intended audience expects. Yeah. Like someone who, had, who didn't know the original joke would go, what? <laughs> yeah, would be like, well, that was, huh. Yeah. Okay, you returned a dead parrot. Why am I laughing? Why am I not laughing? Yeah. Well, and, and very, I want to. That actually is a good segue into the next thing: is um, the humor of a given piece can sometimes, like how how humorous we find a given piece, can change often depending on who we're with. Um, yes. For instance, um, I, I have many a time I have watched a comedy like, um, I guess the best example I can think of is is uh, Anchorman, uh, Legend of Ron Burgundy, whatever uh, okay. Will Ferrell's thing from a few years back. Um, I didn't find particularly funny. I, I didn't either. Um, I watched it on my own uh, the first time, and it was. I, I, I don't think I laughed out loud the entire thing. I just I didn't find any of the stuff funny. Um, but I remember uh, a few months beforehand seeing a trailer for it on TV, and uh, with a few friends there laughing at one of the you know one-liners or something that was in the trailer mm-hmm. and i laughed too i found it funny but you know second time i maybe it was because i was expecting it but this has happened quite a bit is is stuff that i feel like i should find funny but i do not <laughs> um or you know being in a being in a group of people um in the theater especially, like watching a comedy in a theater is so different from mm-hmm. watching with a small group of people or on your own. Uh, there's kind of a, a group think that happens so that even if you don't find, you know, ball-kicking jokes funny 
usually <laughs> you with that crowd of people that find ball kicking jokes funny you just you just want to laugh with them um, it's it's infectious it really is so you know in that crowd um, like the Monty Python situation you may have no idea what just happened but you feel like well everybody else gets it yeah. I, I guess I I should too or you know I don't know that it's even always just that specific. Um, as as or that conscious is deciding, well, everybody else is laughing, so I'm going to laugh too. But it's it's sort of this feeling. That no, it's, it's very it's, subconscious. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a mood. It's you know how you're feeling. If you've been laughing, you're liable to laugh more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the, I think a fact of how jokes can work in ways that you don't expect them to. You know, I'm I'm very much a. I think I've said this before: a postmodernist living in a post postmodern world. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I like a lot of I my I find postmodernist things amusing in certain cases. So if I were to see the the second parrot sketch, um, the very short one, with with no preface of it whatsoever, I probably would find that amusing, um, just because it's because it is in this it is in a context of a very funny thing, and it, this is supposed to be funny, and nothing unusual happens whatsoever. Right. Again, um, humor by irony. Yeah, I'm very fond of something known as the unjoke. Yeah, um, which which is a joke with little or no punchline. Um, my my probably my favorite one. I actually took this from a film, uh, a prairie a prairie home companion was the film, but the joke is two penguins are sitting on an ice floe. One turns to the other, says, "You look like you're wearing a tuxedo." Second one turns to the first one and says, "What makes you think I'm not?" Hmm. That's the joke. <laughs> yeah. That's the joke. It's it's um, not Yeah. It's not quite a subversion of what you're expecting. It's not there's a status shift in there, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not quite the status shift you're expecting. And so because it's not the status shift you're expecting, it's it's there's two shifts in there. Yeah. There's your first joke where you hear the joke and it's like, okay, that's that's the punchline. And then there's a second point of that's the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> another another kind of similar example of because the thing is unjokes use the classic you know classic setups. Yeah. Uh, that, that guy walks into a bar. Guy walks into a bar. Yeah. He says, "Ow." Three guys walk into a bar. The fourth one ducked. A man walks into a doctor's office with uh, a psychiatrist's office with a fried egg on top of his head. He says, "Doctor, doctor, you have to help my brother. He's crazy." Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because you expect it to be, and it isn't. Yeah. It's that, again, subversion. So, yeah, I mean, that's like if, if everyone knew all the best jokes, that would almost be the norm for funny again, you mm-hmm. know, where it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, back to almost being, it's like a reality joke, like reality TV style, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, this, is, <laughs> this isn't funny, but it's funny because I set it up in a way which would have been you humorous. You expected it to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and very much, I, I, I think that the best comedians are constantly evolving and changing. Um, I, I have a, a very much of a, a problem with uh, classic humor. Uh, I feel like you know comedians say, like Will Ferrell, that have a certain style, and mm-hmm. they stick to it, and they keep doing the same things over and over again. Um, do not really elicit any sort of a, a, of a humorous response from me. Um, I see that as, as a, a weak form of comedy to discover something that worked well 
in a very certain you know, particular context and then not evolve um, is almost the antithesis of comedy because it's sort of like a running negation of whatever's normal. <laughs> so if you're not constantly, and what's normal is constantly changing, like mm-hmm. I think you brought up earlier, Jed. So the best comedians like Robin Williams, they're just adaptable beyond belief. They, they can just take whatever from current events, from culture, mm-hmm. and, and just turn it on its head. Um, yeah. But they're not doing. They're not using the same methods. They they're constantly developing new routines. Another comedian that, that, that kind of reminds me of that that is that is somewhat improvisational in, in his style is Eddie Izzard, um, the British transvestite comedian. Huh. He's a comedian and a transvestite. Those don't have anything to do with each other. Although sometimes he tells jokes about being a transvestite. Uh, but he's he's. He got his start doing street performance, mm-hmm. um, live on the street in front of 20 people just doing stuff. And because of that, he became very improvisational, and be- he be- became very good at meeting his audience's needs. And one of the things that's kind of represented is in his live shows, um, he's, he's got jokes that he, he has, and he's got a structure to it, but a lot of the stuff that happens is made up. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like, you know, whose line is it anyway, improv style, but it's stuff that is just, he reacts to what the audience reacts to. You know, one of his bits that he he'll, he does on one, of his DVD, on one of his DVDs is, you know, he tells a joke, and the audience doesn't like it, and he goes, he just kind of, you know, never use that joke again, which gets a laugh, because because he responds to the audience. You know, most comedians, if they say, if they have, you know, they've got 20 jokes, one of them isn't funny, people don't like it, they just move on to the next one. Yeah. That's what they do. Um, but the the comedians that can interact with their this audience in this moment at this point in time can be humorous on a more widespread level because they're currently reacting to the situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, they're aware of their audience and the fact that not every audience is the same because humor isn't universal. Something I I, I think unless you can find me one joke other than the fish sticks joke that everybody laughs at. It really would vary in every culture. <laughs> I mean, we can see this even the difference between British comedy and American comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I find very, very few British comedies truly like uh, side-splittingly funny. More often than not, it's just sort of a <laughs> that's it's kind mm-hmm. of ironic or yeah. you know that's yeah. that's interesting. And, but and that's and that's a, probably because of a different original status that we have versus them yeah. culturally versus yeah. any other culture. It's just, I think, again, a, looking at where your normal point is for that, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that, you know, obviously cultures are different, so um, if we're going to go upon the agreed-upon definition that thing, you know, humor is different, differing from the normal or differing from the usual, then, of course, you know, one thing that would be funny in one culture could be, you know, the normal in another, and then... What I what I really like to think about is is uh, extraterrestrial interaction, um, presuming that that someday we do have first contact with a species. Would our first reactions mutually be just to find the other race funny <laughs> uh, in a, in appearance, in action, Depends. possibly something or other? And I mean, would that would that almost be a, a barrier? To uh, to relation to relating with that species. I mean, maybe initially. Only if but the species is funny looking. I, say, I think that would re- happen. You know, I mean, imagine imagine a, an, an alien race that looked like uh, you know long extended um, blobs or something, or, or you know that was all pink. <laughs> I mean, there was Stephen. There were, Stephen, look at your skin. I, I no, I mean like a bright pink. <laughs> Stephen, you're bright pink. <laughs> 
Maybe I'm coming back through that way on the webcam, but whatever. I, I feel like I'm more of a brownish tan. Um, wouldn't go that with a far. little little less brown than I would like, but you know, or sort of you know, purple purple unicorn looking aliens. Like we never see that really fleshed out in Star Trek or anything. But I think occasionally you get an alien race that is is literally comedic looking, and mm-hmm. I would just you know, I would have a hard time as a diplomat um, interacting with that species and not finding it. Completely I can absurd. point you uh, to a, a funny-looking species in Star Trek, mm. the Ferengi. Yeah. The Ferengi much. were originally intended to be kind of the replacement Klingons in the next generation because we've gotten – okay, Klingons, you know, we're, we're cool with Klingons now in the next generation. Right. So we, get, we need a new all-seeing, all-evil bad guy. And the Ferengi were originally supposed to fill that point, but the Ferengi are funny-looking. And so it doesn't work. Yeah. The Ferengi have big bulbous heads and giant ears. And so what, what they did, and I, I think it was kind of brilliant, is they sort of morphed them into this, you know, they, they introduced the rules of acquisition, and they, they mm-hmm. kind of made them this, this just race of, of greedy bankers, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and it they was changed funny. the race because their original intention for the race didn't work out. Right. If you ever watch, uh, I don't remember which, it's one of the first season episodes of Next Generation, with the Ferengi are first introduced, they are, they're funny. Mm-hmm. They're not scary. They're supposed to be scary. The actors on screen are acting like they're scary, but they're not. They're funny. Yeah. Because they're not the Klingons. I don't know. I don't know. But that's that a difference in humor. I would like to say that I, I find the British office funnier than I find the American office. And for whatever the exact reason. opposite. Yeah. I think because of cultural context, the, the American office is funnier. But... I don't know. I... I don't laugh as much as the American office as I did with the British one. Well, again, I mean, we, we've gotten used to the style of humor on, on the office, though. Uh, and it's yeah. a very, it essentially is a one-joke show. The boss is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and the, everything in the show stems from This was the British version, but the British version was smart enough to stop after 12 episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I, Admittedly, I think that's a little too short. I think the office showed that it could be fleshed out a little bit more. But again, they're in their fourth, fifth season now. Fifth now. Fifth, and they're running into those. They're having to sort of make it more than just about that initial premise. Mm-hmm. They're having to to do other story arcs and other character arcs and and bring in other things. And and it's good. It's good that they're adapting. But again, it it kind of shows that. Humor. Well, is it good that they're adapting though? Like, I mean, I well, think that. As Americans, we like that. We like the story to keep on going. Right. But, you know, maybe there I, is a point where it should just stop. Yeah, I feel there's, like there's a point where the, you're trying too many new things, and the show isn't what it is anymore. Yeah. Um, an example, an American example of that that I think that I've I've actually followed the entire time has been Scrubs. Um, yeah. Scrubs ended this this past season with JD leaving the hospital. It was the end of JD's story. JD's story should have ended two years ago, but that's not the point. It ended this year. Um, but Scrubs got renewed by ABC for another, at least another season, I think two. Oh. And the show, is, it has been announced, will be a very different show now. It will still be called Scrubs, but it will be a very different show. It's actually going to be set in med school rather than a hospital. Um, and John C. McGinley, Donald Faison are going to be back as instructors at this med school. That's uh, Turk and Dr. Cox, for yeah. those who don't know the actors' names, will be kind of instructors at this med school, and there'll be a host of you know four or five new main characters 
for the show. So it's not going to be a new show, though. It's still going to be Scrubs. It's still but... going to be Scrubs, but it's going to have a different name. It's going to have a different premise. Scrubs become became its own spinoff, basically. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, but to some extent, I think Scrubs, the original Scrubs, the JD Scrubs, jumped the shark about three years ago. Yeah. Um, humorly speaking, it had funny moments, and I still watched it because I I became attached to the characters and their stories. But the humor of it had certainly lessened by that point. I got uh, tired of of the scrub style of humor after about a season's worth of episodes, and I I have to say that because when I watched it on Comedy Central, the episodes were very much not in order. Um, so yeah. I kind of jumped around, and and it was I mean you could it was one of those shows you could jump into and just have it be funny because of the the style of humor that they mm. used very visual, um, very situational humor, um, very very much a you know status shifts all the time. Not a lot of humor yes. through recognition, um, which is a, I would say what things like Family Guy are completely <laughs> humor through recognition. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, so very much. Because and and blatantly so. I mean. Uh, Peter's thing is always, you know, this was like that time when blah. <laughs> creators will the the family of creators know that they do that. That's what they do, and they they're okay with it, and they'll admit it. Um, they they actually have now what they call they now call the jokes that could be anywhere, anytime, manatee jokes from a South Park episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where they, they the South, people in South Park discovered that the writers of Family Guy were manatees in a big pool pushing <laughs> random culture balls around. Um, <laughs> but, but Family Guy knows this, and, and they're aware of it, and it works for them because people watch it, people like that. But I almost I, I think, though, that, that one of the things we've been sort of skirting around here for this whole episode yeah. is that the sort of humor through recognition is a, a lower form of humor on some sort of value scale. That, you on know, my value maybe these, scale. Hmm? Yeah. On your value scale. But, well, and, and I almost want to think we're, we're trying to generalize it, but maybe it's almost the other way. For, for the majority of culture, the humor through recognition stuff might be uh, more seen as a, as a higher form of comedy than the, uh, the, the really well-thought-out, complex, postmodern humor, uh, <laughs> status shift, etc. Well, and what's interesting about that is that, you know, in almost every other aspect of life and keep in mind that I'm coming at this from an academic standpoint yeah. so I you know I like the whole idea of studying but in general the more you know about something the more successful that you'll be in a field um, so you know but humor by recognition is almost you know like oh well let's see how you know vague and kind of random little things that I could bring up here and that and that's almost less funny you know? It's uncreative. I, I think one yeah. of the, the biggest things about the difference between the, the humor by recognition and the status shift is you're not create you're not really adding anything to the equation with uh, humor by recognition jokes. You're like, oh, slip and slides. Yeah, or you're whatever. you're pulling from from <laughs> things. Are, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a perfect yeah. example. Yeah. Hey, you remember slip and slides? Weren't those fun? Although I hated it when you like get a rock into the slip and slide, yeah. and you know you go on and you like bust your knee, and you're like, oh man, I that hurts. Have- a scar on the side of my body from a slip and slide. An actual, uh, honest to goodness, scar. Well, not not a slip and slide brand slip and slide. A homemade um, summer camp slip and slide. I was actually working this. It was a day camp at my church, um, and we had a giant, probably ten foot wide, fifty foot long plastic tarp covered in baby shampoo and warm water. Baby shampoo. Wow. <laughs> slip and slide. The trouble was, it was held down on the sides by 
bricks to keep it from blowing away in the wind. And we had a counselor at every single one of these bricks to push it out of the way or to make sure student, you know, the kids didn't hit them. Uh, so, but the counselor got to do the slip and slide too after all the kids got to go through it. And so I said, you know, hey, somebody watch my brick. I was one of the brick standers. Um, I'm going to do the slip and slide. And so I ran, I slid, and the very brick that I hit was mine. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody Which actually watched your brick. Nobody watched my brick. Yeah. Um, and I have a little scar on the side of my body from that incident because slip and slides are dangerous but also fun. <laughs> and, you know, ha-ha, humor yeah. by recognition. Yes, they yeah. are. Well, yeah, like, yeah. you know, because it's almost a tragic, like, oh, yeah, I remember that and that sucked. I, yeah. I, I really think there is there is a difference in, in the physical reaction between the recognition type and the, uh, and the status shift type. Um, it should be researched. I'm sure it has been, but from a like purely a physiological, physiological difference, difference in reaction, yeah. um, surprised. it may, you know, same output, different input for well, sure. And I think like perhaps what it is, is, you know, at least the, at least in the example that we brought up of, Hey, slip and slides, you know, I think, I don't think, oh, well, that was on, you know, like maybe slip and slides as a topic is a little bit random, but then, you know, my expectation has shifted or and that's happened Mm -hmm. but then i think what really is the humor of that at least for me is oh yeah when i was a little kid i had a lot of fun i thought a lot of things were funny you know like it's almost a like oh good times memory type thing you know so i'm almost yeah i'm almost certain that it is a you know entirely different parts of your brain are you know oh remembering my fun slip and slide adventures and then you know Kind of a good times chuckle of like right. you know it's not a wow that was funny it's you know when it's oh. it's almost it's like a head fake because what what they're doing with that with the the recognition type humor is you're associating good like positive yeah. memories with the comedian in that mm-hmm. case um, because they're they're bringing up that subject um, so in the in the sense that you know they're not again it goes back to they're not really adding anything to their equation they're not creating anything that you associate only with them. Um, they're, they're just merely tying in things that you like mm-hmm. to themselves. But when, you, when yeah. you think of those things, you then think of the comedian. So kind of like all these positive memories go together. And or you, you think of the comedian and then you think of those things which you right. like. Right. Um, I, which I think brings me to the point that humor through recognition works because it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Humor through status shift is is to some extent uncomfortable because it's it, you're you're surprised you like you're by it. You're something. Yeah, yeah. It's you know okay. okay just sorry. The, the the tricked thing made me think of something that is really funny. Jack Handy is is very good at humor through status shift. Jack Handy uh, worked on Saturday Night Live doing mm-hmm. Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. He's got books. One of my favorites is, of his. You just reminded me of. Since we're talking humor, I'm going to tell the joke. Um, little kids love being tricked. So for so one day I took my little cousin to Disney World. Only before I, we got there, I went over. I went to a, a burned down warehouse and I said, "Oh no, Disney World burned down." He was real sad. And then I was gonna take him to to the real Disney World, but it was getting pretty late. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> another another similar one that I have to tell every time I tell Jack Candy because it's my absolute favorite Jack Candy quote of all time um, is. Out of all my uncles, I think Uncle Caveman was my favorite. We called him Uncle Caveman because he lived in a cave, and occasionally he'd eat one of us. Also, he was a bear. 
<laughs> There's very little humor through recognition I, in that joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but it's kind of one of those like you it you're expecting something and, and Jack Hand does it a lot. He'll he'll have the second punchline. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. also the bear. That's the second punchline in that joke in my mind. Yeah. Because also he he'd occasionally eat one of us. That's funny. Yeah. But then you know, also he was a bear. While we're while we're kind of on the subject of, of good comedians, um, listen to a, a tape of Dimitri Martin recently. Um, mm-hmm. Another, I think, very uh, underappreciated comedian who really hasn't gotten his due yet. Um, but we were listening to like a, a stand-up bit of his. He had a show on Comedy Central for a brief time. Um, I don't think they've made any more episodes though. Well, it. it's been renewed. The thing oh, is, those Comedy Central shows only run about six, seven episodes. Um, the same thing with uh, Carlos Mencia's. His season mm-hmm. was six or seven episodes, and he had three seasons. Yeah, it's it's that same sort of thing. They they run shorter um, because they have to put a lot of creative input into those. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it it was rather successful, and it got renewed for a second season. So well, good to know then. So I can look forward to that. But he's, he's getting some recognition. I, I, just a good example of his, while we're on the subject of bears, um, <laughs> like bears, worms. One of his jokes was. Worms and bears don't have much in common until you think about gummy. <laughs> and it's just, it's almost like the bear framework of a joke. Like, it is. Like he's, he's, he's almost telling you why the joke is funny without explicitly saying that. And um, Mickey Martin's a, a one-liner comic. As our, yeah. And is one of my favorites. Most of my favorites are one-liner comics. Anthony Jeselnik. Um, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. Uh, Stephen Wright. Rodney Dangerfield, of all people, the king of mm-hmm. one-liners, um, because they take the joke and boil it down. Dimitri yeah. Martin does it much with, with the joke you just used as an example. It's he boils it down to its barest parts, pun intended. <laughs> exactly. There's another. There's, okay, yeah, so puns. Puns. Why, why are puns punny? Is, is, it, is it, again, the status shift? Like you're, you're kind of expecting the regular thing, but then you're sticking it into a different There's context, a little bit of or? that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the simplest pun in the world, I think, in my mind, is this vacuum sucks. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. it's it's really easy to make simple puns. Yeah. But but I think it shows that, shows that it, is, it is a status shift. Yeah. Because you get the first meaning, and then you get the second meaning. So, yeah. It, yeah, double meaning. So, it's almost a, yeah, I mean, it's... But again, that's a very culture-specific thing. Yeah. Certainly. You know, it's a... Basically, humor by homonym in a yeah. lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, so. I, I was wondering this, Stephen. You do ASL, as we've yeah. seen in all of your full ASL videos, music yeah. videos. Is there such a thing? Because I've always wanted to ask people to speak other languages. There is. It, the languages in your puns, mm-hmm. the, the puns in your languages, and, and they're very language specific. I don't, I don't happen to know any. ASL puns. I, I actually do. I actually do know one, and it's it's really impossible to bring over the audio, but um, certainly it essentially goes. Um, so King Kong is is talking to whatever her her name is. Fay Ray. But what is the character like? I don't even remember the name of the character. Fay Ray. It is okay. Whatever. Um, so he's like talking to her, and you know, in the movie, she like she he holds her in his hand a lot. So yes. he's like he's talking to her, and he's he's holding her in uh, his left hand and signing with his right, and he's doing all this all this stuff like you know I I 
I've met you. Uh, you know, I like you. I like your hair. You know, you know, I, I love you. I want to marry you. <laughs> and the sign for marry is is bringing bringing the hands bringing the hands together in sort of a clapping motion, top down, and. <laughs> So, you know, in this case, obviously, he's crushing her when he makes this yes. sign. Um, and that would be, I think, a good example of the ASL equivalent of a, of a pun. Um, yeah. Because it, it really, it doesn't make sense in English, you know. I love you, well, I want to marry puns, you, but, you know, when you see it signed, it's like, oh. Yeah. Puns depend on language. Which Very I think much. is something, not all, like, we, we talk about how humor is specific to cultures, but language being a derivative of culture can be a, a pun is a language specific humor, not necessarily a culturally specific humor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what did the uh, mobster say to the doctor who botched his uh, wife's heart transplant? Why aorta kill you? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, these, these, that's completely language based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that would be very difficult to explain to someone who didn't know. The New Jersey accent, um, for one yes. thing, or especially the English language. Mm-hmm. You know, if you translated that into anything else, but you really couldn't, I don't think. Well, that's, um, yeah, like a, puns are almost the crowning of achievement of a language and humor. Yeah. You know, it's and I learned some Spanish ones when we took it. Uh, the, I, I remember there was a whole series of them, but um, El Vino Vino, the wine came, <laughs> makes no sense in English, but El Vino Vino. Is, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it would make more sense if I understood Spanish. Well, it, vino, vino is is wine, but vino is also the past tense of uh, venir, which is to to, to, come. to come. So, okay. <laughs> el vino vino. It's literally the wine came, but you know, vino vino. We have American sentences like that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, buffalo, 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 buffalo. Here, I think it's seven. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. Seven buffaloes in a row is is in all honesty a true sentence in American English. Um, enlighten us. Wiki it. I I I, I can't <laughs> remember all the def- well because there's three definitions for buffalo. One of which is on is lesser known, but it means to bully. I'm having to type this. Why don't you type this seven times, Jen? <laughs> I just typed it. I typed it three times, and it pulled it up in Wiki. Oh. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. Um, is a grammatically correct sentence used as an example of homonyms and homophones. It can be used to create complicated constructs. Um, <laughs> oh, wow, they diagrammed it. Yeah, they diagrammed yeah, it on for, Wikipedia. Honestly, for for anybody listening to the audio version, well, there is only the audio version, yeah. but. Yeah. Honestly, Live. go and check out this sentence. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, of yeah. course. Yeah, it's wow. It is, and and it takes it takes a while to like even reading the page. I've read two or three times. Takes a while to to get. You got to think about it, but it, it once you get it, once it clicks, it's like wow, that's awesome. In other words, bison from Buffalo that other lacks bison from Buffalo intimidate in turn intimidate bison from Buffalo. That yeah. other bison from Buffalo intimidate. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> wow. It's not buffalo, a, not buffalo, a very good sentence. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. Oh my buffalo. god! <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's not classic. A great sentence, except for the fact that it only uses the word buffalo. Yeah, yeah. but it, and the fact that the plural of buffalo is buffalo is buffalo, which is another. I mean, sheep, sheep, moose, and moose. Mm-hmm. Fish and fish. 
Apparently, we don't like fertilizing animals. No. <laughs> well, anyway, I think I think this uh, this show has <laughs> comedically run its course. Um, once we've ended We're up becoming with seven, stagnant. <laughs> once we've ended up with seven buffaloes in a row, yeah. I think there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> Maybe I the think buffalo. It's eight, actually. It's hmm. eight. Eight. Sorry, I reread it. Yeah. It's yeah, eight. it's eight buffaloes in a row. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you, gentlemen, for being on this show. It's been it's been very, very funny for a number of reasons. Uh, I, I think my funny bone has gotten tickled a little bit. <laughs> uh, Kevin, thank you for skyping in once again. Glad to be here. And Not in Lubbock. I'm glad to be in Grapevine. It's better here. Well, you're you're here by <laughs> by void the presence or however we want to say it. <laughs> like a ghost. Aww. All right. You'll always be in Lubbock to us. And, uh, and Jed, thank you for being on the show as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm glad to, be, glad to be here as usual, and uh, thank you for enlightening me. And, yeah, I, feel, I, I like the shows where uh, I get to learn a little bit as well. So That's good. Thank That's you. Good. I appreciate it. And uh, you can follow each of us on, on Twitter, of course. Uh, Kevin is, is at Kevsond, K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D. Uh, Jed is Linux, L-I-N-N-I-X. And I am S Torrance, S T O R R E N C E. You can also follow the show itself at uh, twitter.com slash badphilosophy. We thank y'all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Are you rocking the mutton chops, Stephen? Not quite. It's not connected here. That, when, that's, that's what makes it mutton chops. Mutton chops don't meet in the middle, that's called a chin strap. Hmm. Well, then I guess I am. Except, would it have the goatee as well? It can. The, the chops are just the really long, long, wide sideburns. Wolverine. I guess so, then, yeah. Also, Willard Fillmore. Fillmore. Millard Fillmore? Whatever. The world needs people like you and me who've been knocked around by fate. Buffalo, 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 Philosophy is brought to you by Skype Out and by Apple. Check out their offers through the affiliate section of our website. Badphilosophy.com. Oh my god, is that a unicorn with bacon wings?